It takes practice, right? Just give yourself a hand. Can you use Junction City's been known from the outside world as junk town. And uh, we've almost taken pride in that. And now we're going to be taking pride in the fact that there's a, the junction of where Holy Spirit and man collide. And then it just goes out. That is so good. He's not wrong. But actually, the, the foundation of Junction City was when they when they when people came through this space they would write back home talking about how it was like the garden of eden it was such a fertile land that it was a place that people wanted to come in order to be able to farm and and they saw it as a great opportunity to be here and honestly junction city was a place of prominence in its early days. I don't know at what point it shifted into being known as junk town, but as someone who was raised in Manhattan, that is what we knew it as was junk town. We, I honestly didn't even know the name of it was junction city. I just knew it by junk town and a place that you did not want to be after dark. It was considered dangerous to those of us that, that grew up in Manhattan, but the truth of junction city is that it is a choice place. It is a fertile place where things grow easily. We have to go back to the foundation of something and begin to declare it from the roots of its beginnings. And I love that it is a junction where God and man collide. That is awesome. Somebody write that down, send it to me, something, because we need to remember that. <laughs> and I could totally forget. Um, let's, let's do giving, because this is really important. I think that, that we have got to, to get ourselves into this space of, of giving as though it is a flow from us. How many of you want worship to be a flow from you? All of our hands should be in the air right now. We want worship to be a flow from us, and that includes giving. Giving is an act of worship, and so we want it to be something that just flows out of us. Most of us are familiar with the Malachi 3 scripture that tells us, thank you, Vince. <laughs> the, the Malachi 3 scripture that tells us, like, trust me in this one thing. Trust me in the giving. See that I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out over you. And I think that we have individualized the scripture too much and been like, I'm going to do this so that I will be blessed. There is no room in the kingdom for I. It's not about me. It's about us. We are, we are in a kingdom of oneness. And that's, uh, I wish I had my mug up here. It says on invited into oneness. And we need to take that more seriously so that when we give as individuals, we're giving into a kingdom expansion. And he says, see that I won't throw open the windows of heaven over you all. My one little gift affects all of us. Come on. That's good. <laughs> That's good news. Every time I make a choice to allow giving to flow from me as an act of worship, 
He throws open the windows of heaven and it affects the kingdom as a whole. Okay, so if you're giving, toss it on the altar. That's just what we're going to do from now on. Toss it on the altar. Those of you that are online, if, if you want to, if you want to give to Unedited Life, go to uneditedlife.org. Click on the little circle button down in the right-hand corner that says give. And know that we are thankful. Do you guys remember when we used to do violent offerings? Hey, they were violent for a reason. <laughs> Jesse, yes, Jesse. We had a, a guy, I was going to say a younger guy, but he's older than most of us. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I ran into Lynn not long ago, and Jesse is 50. <laughs> I think you're the oldest one in the room, and he's still older. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So Jesse would start at the, the very back of the church, and he would dance his way slowly, I might add, <laughs> down to the front to give his offering. And let's just say there was a lot of hip action involved hilarious so funny i wish i had like video of it to share with everyone because it's so hysterical in my mind right now it really was oh hilarious okay we are going to um start in actually who remembers what we talked about last week you are on it but what were we talking about? <laughs> I'm so proud that you know that. Did you see the first five verses of Hebrews 12? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm looking at the comments. These are fantastic, you guys. Mm, love it. Um, we talked about salvation. Come on. Do you remember? We talked about salvation, about, it's online, go catch up. <laughs> yes, those of you that don't know, all of our teachings get thrown up on our podcast for convenience sake. It's called Unedited Chats on, is it on all, my Bible is really wrinkled, it's on all platform. All platforms, wherever you listen to your podcasts you can find it okay everybody have your sword out <laughs> we're going to matthew 5 you were in hebrews wow five going to the beatitudes You went too far? You know what I'm talking about? Wow. What? <laughs> okay. 
Are we there? Matthew 5, verse 6. Are we there? Wow, good job, Lisa. I'm so thankful for you. Um, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed, say blessed, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. We talked about this last week. The whole point of salvation is so that you don't go to hell, right? Ha! <laughs> no! That is not the whole point of salvation. The whole point of salvation is so we enter into got so distracted by another thought. So we enter into our relationship with Christ. <laughs> and he makes deposits of holiness because he is holy. And then we become holy. And the manifestation of holiness is righteousness. We enter into a relationship with Jesus He makes deposits of holiness because he is holy and we become holy on the inside and the manifestation of holiness is righteousness. Salvation is about right standing with the Father. It's not about being good so you don't go to hell. You want me to say that again? It's not about being good so you don't go to hell. It's not what it's about. It's about me giving up my life to take on his. So even though it's not being good so I don't go to hell, it is about losing my life so I can live as Christ. That's salvation. That's what he came to do. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to save us. So we could live as him. You're living as who? Yes. Always the right answer. Always the right answer. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be satisfied. Can can we expand this in our minds for a second? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And remember that, that Hebrews 12, 16, was it 16 or 14? Can't remember. 14. Hebrews, Hebrew, that was weird. Hebrews 12, 14 says that the only way that people can see Christ is by our holiness that we put on display. If we aren't entering into a relationship with Jesus and allowing him to put deposits of holiness on the inside of us and having righteousness manifest through us, nobody's going to see Christ. You want to know why the American church is a hot mess right now? Because we've, we've muddled what salvation is. We've made it a numbers game, actually. I'm reading a book right now about the life of John Wimber, and it is phenomenal. It is such a good book. 
his life is just, I mean, I, I feel like I, when I'm reading it, I'm just like, Ugh. you know, have you ever read a book and you're like sitting on the edge of your seat or you feel like it anyway? And you're like, what's next? That's how this book is. It's just like, you get amped up. Like what, what's going to happen next? And this isn't because he did everything right. He just did his best to do the things that God <laughs> asked him to do. In fact, he got it so wrong at different points that he would have to turn around and repent, not just before God, but to other people everywhere else because he really messed things up. You want to hear a really funny story? And this has everything to do with what we're talking about. So when he got saved, he and his wife started going to a Quaker church. Well, in the Quaker church did not believe in the manifestation of the Spirit. So, so weird. And so they'd been going there for years and years. And, and then John kept rising in prominence because he loved Jesus. And, and the man was just made for church life. And, um, and then one time he was, he was in the middle of praying. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this language started popping out of his mouth. <laughs> And he starts speaking in tongues and he has no grid for this. None. He has never seen this, heard this, nothing. No grid. In his words, he was raised a pagan. His wife was raised Catholic. He was raised a pagan. He has no grid for what's going on, but he kind of liked it. So he just kind of kept doing it just in his own little time with Jesus. His wife over the years becomes the perfect Pharisee, according to John. And, and she is writing all the wrongs everywhere. And she's creating new Bible studies so that she can influence everybody with her pharisaical views, making sure that any manifestation of the spirit is shut down promptly. Their son was attacked by bees one day. He had bee stings everywhere. He was not doing well. And John had enough faith because what does speaking in tongues do? It builds us up. When I speak in tongues, when I rattle off something in an unknown language that sounds like complete babble, it is doing something on the inside of me. It's for me. If I speak in tongues around you, it's not really doing much for you, except for maybe causing you to speak in tongues. So he was like, you know, he's built up his faith. And he's just like, I'm going to pray for the boy. And he had enough faith that if he prayed for the boy, the boy would get healed. So he starts praying for his son that he would be healed. And all of a sudden, this other language came out because when he would spend time with Jesus, that's how it worked. And so when he was praying publicly, all of a sudden, it started leaking out. His wife is appalled at what is taking place. And she waits. She didn't bring correction in the moment. And I will have you know that every beasting, with the exception of one, went away instantly. Yet the Pharisee still wanted to confront the issue of the manifestation of the Spirit. So privately she goes to him and says, John, what happened when you prayed for whatever his name was and you began to speak in tongues? The devil has got a hold of you. And he was like, oh no, it's true. The devil has got a hold of me. So he repented. He repented. For, for doing things that were errant and, and for allowing the devil to have a foothold. And it says in the story that every once in a while, he would see if it still worked. <laughs> 
just to see if the dove will still have a hold of it. But the story ends beautifully because eventually he just keeps like being invited out by Jesus into deeper waters. And he realizes like, I think this is actually God and not the devil because it did never go away. And he felt like he was pretty submitted to Christ and, um, and realized that there's actually benefits that are coming from this that, that are, you know, point me to, to Jesus. And so in a dream, God gave her a dream. And in her dream, she's at the end of the street on a soapbox telling everybody everywhere how bad they are for allowing the, the manifestation of the spirit. And in her dream, she began to speak in tongues. And she woke up sobbing, thinking, what have I done? I've missed it. And she, she um, stepped down from the board that she was a part of in her church. She stopped doing, I think she had seven Bible studies going at that time throughout their area in California. And then after she, she pulled herself away for a season, just because she, she just felt like she really needed to take time to repent before the Lord for what she had done, because she knew she'd done much damage because she was that on fire against the spirit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and and then went and repented before all of these people that she led astray and and their ministry flourished at that point now why am i telling the story because in in john's life and in his wife's their names were john and carol you can believe that um <laughs> in john and carol's life they they experienced church growth that was unheard of but because it was because they would put Jesus on display. They put the righteousness, which is the manifestation of what? Holiness on display on a regular basis. And people flocked to it. They wanted what these people had. And I mean, we're talking exponential growth. They would have in these churches like John alone. And this is what's hilarious was responsible for adding like a thousand people to this little Quaker church in a very, very short amount of time. Of course, he later becomes the church planter expert and uh, for Fuller, um, um, what do you call it? Seminary. And, um, and, and travels the world doing teachings on um, church growth. And, and so my point in bringing that up is that there is a way to have church growth. There is a way that we can add numbers, but it's not just for numbers' sake. That wasn't the point in them dropping numbers in the story. The point was the righteousness of Christ was put on display and people flocked to it. Because like I told you in Hebrews twelve fourteen, it says that if holiness isn't put on display, then how are people going to see Jesus? John was just willing to put the holiness of Christ on display and people wanted it. But because we in our Americanized church have become about numbers, we think that little things like this are missing the mark. We have lots of people out sick today. 
I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that there wasn't like some kind of draw to be like, hey, let's just go downstairs and have a good old time. I'm having a good time, by the way. <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, we've got so many people out sick today. So I guess like maybe we should just excuse ourselves from doing what it is that God asked us to do. Because it's implanted that it's a numbers game. And it's not. It's about putting the righteousness of Christ on display. And so we do that no matter what. If we dwindle down to three people, we do that no matter what. When Rebecca was here, she said this to us. She said, it's not about who's in the room listening to you. Right now, it's about the land that's listening to you. We can't change a city if we aren't preaching to the land. You know, we're, we're called to all creation. We're called to put the righteousness of Christ on display to all creation. And so even if my words aren't hitting you right now, and that has to become my motivation, is that Christ is saying, Angie, do this anyway. Because there's a work that needs to be done, and I'm using you to do it. So before you're like, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I really want to commit to that because uh, I'm just little old me. Well, little old you can put the righteousness of Christ on display and it matters greatly. We can go back to, to the stories in the book of Acts. And if you want to hear more about that, go listen to Friday's teaching. Because I walked through that. And it was, it's awesome, the stories that are in there. Every time that they stepped up to the plate. And these people were under real persecution, not a lack of people showing up to church. That's not persecution. They're being arrested, beaten, stoned to death. This is real persecution. And every time they stepped up to the plate and put righteousness on display, people were added to their numbers. And, and guys, they weren't added to their numbers in an elementary, basic kind of way. It wasn't like that. They were brought up to speed because when you put righteousness on display, everyone's brought up. It's an even playing field. They didn't have a 101, 201, 301 class. They didn't. It's not what was going on. Everybody was brought up to speed because they saw the righteousness of Christ and they wanted that. They hungered and thirsted for righteousness and they were satisfied. Do you know what the satisfi satis satisfaction? <laughs> I was like, satisfaction? <laughs> I'm making up new words. <laughs> the satisfaction for them was the infilling. Because every time numbers were added, buildings shook. And the spirit was poured out. And I, I think that in our, in our small-mindedness, we, we think that every time that it talks about the spirit being poured out, that we think of one-on-one -on -one encounters, right? We think of those moments where we're like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. 
right? I don't, that's not what it was like. 5,000 people gathered together because one man got healed. When that man got healed, they put the righteousness of Christ on display. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the righteousness of Christ is the full on embodiment of who he is, of what he's capable of doing. I'm excited. 5,000 people gathered around this one man's healing. They saw Jesus. They're like, I want in. The whole building shook. And they were all filled with the Spirit. Oh, you guys. That's the kind of satisfaction that he's talking about. Where we experience things as one. As a body. Not as individuals. I'm not saying that there isn't going to be an individual experience. But it was because of the individual experiences that the, the accumulation of everyone together was so exponential. They were brought in, they hungered and thirsted for righteousness as individuals on a regular basis. When they came together corporately, they experienced an encounter together. Buildings shake when everybody's encountering the Lord. That's what we're after. Say, that's what I'm after. Guys, that's, that has to be what we're after. Oh, I'm supposed to be talking about baptism. But isn't this... Isn't that what happens? Isn't that what was taking place? I mean, in that story alone, it says they baptized everybody. Vitz and I were talking about this afterwards, and I was like, what? Like 5,000 people. 5,000 people. It doesn't say that days went on, and they took their time, and they, they, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, boom. Do you know how long that would have taken? Days. I mean, it was 3,000 first, and then they added 2,000 more. I don't care. Choose 2,000, 3,000. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of break between the baptism of the water and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and shaky, shaky, shaky. It just seems like it's all happening. So Vince was like, I don't know, maybe they lined them up and just poured a pitcher of water out. <laughs> you know, I splash. Everybody splash yourself. That's a, maybe a hose. Yes. I'm getting ideas. <laughs> exactly. Everybody under the gutter. <laughs> We're just playing baptisms around the rainfall. <gasps> oh, gosh. Who wouldn't want this life? Who wouldn't want this life if this is what we put on display? You don't have to teach people to hunger and thirst for righteousness when you're putting righteousness on display. It just happens. People just become hungry. They're baptized by water. They're baptized by fire. They're all speaking. And do you know it says, so when it's the 5,000, 
they're all together after the one healing, right? The one healing. They all come together. There's baptisms, shaking, and then they all lifted their voices up in one accord, it says. Do you, can you, can you even imagine this scene? What? Our planned out worship services don't look anything like this. You know, this is sheer chaos. 5,000 people in a building that's shaking and they all lift their voice in one accord and actually it just said 5,000 men, if you want me to be honest. Those men had people with them and they count, they have a voice. Who knows how many were actually there, but they all lifted their voices in one accord. What were they doing? They're drawing. They're drawing on the worth of the lamb. We've got to get there. Don't you want to? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And it's satisfaction on his terms, not ours. We could be satisfied with the hamburger. His is shaking buildings and outpourings. Did you say a cheeseburger? In a plain cheeseburger. You're so basic. <laughs> okay, let me let me just get to some things that I have in my notes, just you know, because they're there. There are really three baptisms that the Bible talks about. It is water, spirit, fire. We see the water baptism that John is hosting, right? John the Baptist. He's hosting water baptism, and it's a baptism of, does anybody know? Anybody, anybody? A baptism of repentance. It's a baptism of repentance. John is preparing the way. The way for who? Jesus. Yeah, he's preparing the way. So he's baptizing people. in I mean, it's a baptism of repentance. And then one day, who comes along? Jesus. Jesus comes along and he, he's like, I'm here to be baptized. And John's like, I'm not even worthy of unfastening your sandal. Can you imagine Jesus coming to your baptism? To your downspout action? <laughs> your hose moment? <laughs> Whatever your idea of baptism looks like. Jesus shows up and is like, I'm in line. I'm in line. And he's like, no, I'm not even worthy. And, and Jesus responds and he's like, you must do this. I have to do this. And so he baptizes him. He goes under, he brings him back up. What does going under signify? Death. When we go under the water, that is, that is the grave. We go under one way and we come up into new life. That's what water baptism is about. Dying to self, being raised up to new life. Then what happened? Jesus dies to himself. That's weird to say. <laughs> He's brought up. 
<laughs> into new life, then what happens? Duff. Well, yes, that's true too. Father speaks. I think he says, Father recognizes him. A dove falls out of heaven, seemingly, and rests on Jesus. That is symbolism of the Spirit, right? So Jesus is baptized by water and by the Spirit all in the same moment. What transpires for Jesus immediately after his baptism? He's led out into the wilderness. Fire. He's led out into the wilderness or the desert, whatever you want to call it, to be tempted for days on end without food. No cheeseburgers. No cheeseburgers, no water. This is a baptism by fire baptism by trial. For what? Baptism by fire purifies everything on the inside of us. When you find yourself in a situation where you feel confused, conflicted, all of those things, it's probably the fire of God coming in to highlight the things that are rubbish that need to go. And we've talked about this in Song of Songs 8. We're invited to actually take the consuming fire and apply it to our whole being. Because he knew, Jesus knew, that there would be those radical enough to lay hold of the consuming fire and be like, I don't want anything standing but you. Right? Three baptisms. What are they? Water. Spirit. Fire. It kind of changes things for me, honestly, after really diving into this and realizing, like, oh, my gosh, do you know how many charismatic events I've been to where they're like, fire! You know? I'm like, hold, hold on. <laughs> Before you release the fire, <laughs> I'm playing. Like, like yeah, we, we, we need to want this. It, it, it is it is. For his sake, that we be purified by his fire, that we allow his burning to come in and consume us. But it is, I'm just, I'm just pointing out that it's kind of frivolous the way that we use the fire. I actually was just watching this yesterday. I popped Facebook up and there was a, a live video going on where they were ministering to people. And I love those moments. I love watching ministry. Anybody else love watching ministry? I just love, love watching what's taking place and how people respond in their being. And, and, and it's, it's a shaking moment. But can we please get from the shaking of the person to the shaking of the building already? Like, I, I want to see greater things. I want to see greater things. But anyway, in it, he was, you know, praying and fire fire, fire over everyone. And I was like, and I was right in the middle of preparing a teaching. And I was like, oh, fire. <laughs> That's intense. <laughs> it's just far more intense than, than I realized previously. Um, 
Baptism by water prepares us to walk in the newness of life. The the baptism of the Spirit enables us to do so, right? And the baptism of fire puts Christ's nature on display above all else. So it's, it's the water that prepares us for what it is the Spirit is going to do to enable us. And the fire comes in and allows us to put His likeness on display above everything else. It t- the fire of God takes our desires, puts them in the back seat. Right? How many of you have desires? All day long, right? All day long. I want a Snickers. I want a donut. I want, I want, I want, I want. I need coffee. I need coffee. I said to him, I want the cheeseburger. Desires, desires, desires. desires. Oh, I can't wait till I get home and I can just, whatever. We have desires, but our desires, when the, his fire comes in, and this is why we need it on a regular basis. We need his fire on a regular basis. This is, this is why there's an altar life, you guys, because he provides the fire. We provide the sacrifice. He provides the fire on the altar. We provide the sacrifice. Not my will, but yours. Right? Okay, let's jump over to um, Romans. We're going to Romans 8. Always a good place to park. Um, Let's just start in verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has freed me in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and of death. Ah, so the spirit life is kind of a big deal. It's the spirit of Christ that releases us from the law of sin and death. Verse three, for that which the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of the flesh of sin and concerning sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Someone just say, thank you, Jesus. That's kind of a big deal. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I'm going to read that again. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in who? Us. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So all of this debate as to whether the spirit is for today or not is moot. We can't put Christ on display without the Spirit of God. It's impossible. It's impossible. We need Holy Spirit just. Do you know the Bible actually says that you can't even cry out Abba? You can't. You can't even cry out Father! 
without the help of the Spirit. And we think this is something to debate? How dare we? Honestly, how dare we? And for those of us that do believe but do not use, we're just as bad. When we do not lay hold of everything that is ours because we are sons and daughters of God, we are just as bad as those who say, oh, it's not for today. Because it's the righteousness put on display that draws, right? It's when we lift him high. How do we do that? By standing in righteousness. That all men will look and see and want to be in his presence. He's actually the desire of the nations. Jesus is the desire of the nations. He's left it to us to put him on display. But when we get caught up in our, routine, our routines and our habitual lifestyles of, of cycling around the mountain a hundred million times and fail to enter in and get those deposits of holiness, we can't rightly put righteousness on display. It's important. It's important that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is by getting close to him. We have to live a lifestyle that causes us to smell like the lamb everywhere we go. I had an opportunity this week to teach one of Rebecca's classes and, and the subject was prophets and covenant, which I gladly received the assignment. And then later was like, I know nothing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is always a great place to be. But I was sharing this story in the, in the middle of this teaching that just kind of like hit me because right now I'm in a, a season of, of hunger, of deep, deep, deep hunger where I just can't hardly get enough of him. And, and this is not me. This is tooting my own horn by any means. I'm just telling you what it's been like. It's there's this drawing and I still have to crucify things to get there because I would, sometimes would rather just tune out and anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, but in the middle of, of what it was that I was talking about, because it was very much like this where it's like, we have to go there. We have to be with the lamb. God reminded me of going to Zane's work, Zane texted me and asked me to bring him very specific order three sandwiches. And I was like, boy, you can't eat three sandwiches. That'll be wasteful. So I made him two sandwiches. I didn't know that we were making sandwiches for friends. I should have known because you're Zane. But I get out and I go, Zane needs me to go on tour of the kennel. And I go in there. And I mean, it's a busy place. There are workers everywhere. And, and he's taking me around and introducing me to people. And it was overwhelming you guys because everyone is like looking at me and tilting their head. And, and I'm going, what is happening? You are so beautiful. Listen, I'm not negating that. That's fine. I'll receive the compliment, but it, that's not what it was. That's not what it was. They just didn't have access to anything else. They didn't have access to, to language to, to really declare what was happening in this moment. 
I knew what was happening. I knew that, that because I had spent the day in the presence of God, that his righteousness was on display and it was causing heads to tilt. And they didn't know why they were being drawn in, but they were. They were being drawn in. And I could feel them wanting to ask, like, who are you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We are called to be a peculiar people. We've talked about this this week. Go back and listen to the broadcast this week because they were good. They were good. First Peter 2.9 tells us that we're called to be kings, priests, and a peculiar people. And in the broadcast, we were talking about, because God brought it to our attention, that you all need to repent of the sin of living common lives. You're not commoners. Your kingdom. But when we don't go and spend the time with him, we won't even know that we're different. It's only these moments that I'm telling you about in the kennel that we realize, like, I mean, like, have you ever gone to Walmart and people are just, like, smiling at you? It's the righteousness of Christ on display. It is. It's what the people are hungry for. He is the desire of the nations. He, when I go into Walmart, he is the desire of Walmart. When I walk into a kennel, he is the desire of the dog kennel. All the dogs want what I've got. This isn't arrogance and this is not pride. This is reality for those who walk with Christ. We should be turning heads, not because we are dressed so cool or because our hair looks awesome or because we've got the right earrings or the right shoe. Because of Christ, because we've clothed ourselves in robes of righteousness, it causes heads to be like, what is happening to me? It shifts things. You guys, we so desperately need the baptism of the Spirit. Desperately need the baptism of the Spirit, because it's what leads us into these encounters with Christ, where we get the deposits of holiness and manifest righteousness for the sake of the kingdom. It's for the sake of the kingdom. We were talking to Robin, which is why we were 14 minutes late this morning. We were having a conversation. And in the middle of the conversation, we were just talking about the, the heavy hand of God right now and how it's uncomfortable. Like his, his hand, does anybody feel that? Like his hand just feels so heavy on you. And you kind of want to get out from underneath it, if you're honest. You kind of want to escape it a little bit and um, excuse yourself from that moment, but he's got gotcha. you, you know, it's, it's that his hand is so heavy. And, and as we were talking about it, I mean, you could just feel his, oh, he's a strict parent right now. <laughs> Can I just say it like that? He feels like such a strict father right now.
in my purse. <laughs> but we need that. We need his heavy hand on our lives right now because we've got to shift and we can't shift on our own. We won't want the shift. We don't. Our flesh doesn't want to shift. Anybody? My flesh doesn't want to shift. My flesh wants to be mad about everything. Stop making me do this. My, my flesh is like, oh! But then I have moments with him, and I'm like, why do I try and escape this? I don't want to escape this, actually. I love his heavy hand. His rod and his staff, they are a comfort to me. David said that in Psalm 23, and this is very shepherdy. So before you get the wrong idea of what a shepherd is, shepherds aren't supposed to be like uber compassionate, empathetic, like siding with your flesh. Turns out. Shepherds come equipped with a rod and a staff. For what purpose? Why would a shepherd need a rod and a staff? We've over-glamorized that he left the 99 for the one. We've way over-glamorized this. The reason why he illustrates so much in, in um, herd, can I say that? <laughs> in herd form is because of the oneness, right? We're called to oneness. I don't want to be the one he has to leave the fold for. Why do we want to make his job more difficult? Who do we think we are? We are so arrogant. So it's fine. He leaves the, he leaves the 99 for me. Why do I want to force his hand? Just be compliant. Just, just turn your eyes to Jesus. Stop being rebellious. Can we just call it what it is? It's rebellion. We all have seeds of rebellion on the inside of us, and that's why we need the baptism of fire. We need that stuff burned out. Our, our, our prayer right now should be, I don't want anything seated on the inside of me that does not point to you. Rebellion will point to everything else but him. And what happens in those instances, I walk into Walmart or I walk into the dog kennel and I fit right in. I fit right in. Not turning heads, not causing any head tilts. I'm not causing anybody to question their life at all. But when righteousness walks into a room, everything gets questioned. And it could it could feel like condemnation to some. It really could. There is, there is a clashing that happens when holiness walks into the room. I know you have all felt it. You've all felt that clash when maybe you haven't been spending the time that God's called you to spend with him and you walk in into holiness and suddenly you're just going to score me. You know what I'm talking about? I have felt that. I'm like, I am scum of the earth. That's when condemnation enters in is because of the clash of my disobedience with his holiness. 
the two cannot coexist. They don't partner well. We have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's what we need. And that happens when we are baptized in the power of the Spirit. And not only that, but we begin to exercise the gifts that he has given to us. Can I paint another picture for you really quick and then I promise I'll stop talking? What I was teaching on prophets who are covenanted to, to God, what God showed me through that. Because, you know, you could go anywhere and talk about covenant. It's all over the Old Testament. Old covenant, new covenant. It's, it, it, it's everywhere. But there's just not an instance where there's like this individual, like this prophet made covenant with the Lord. It, it's just, it's not there. I'm not saying they didn't, but there's just not like this ceremonial thing that takes place. But what God was showing me is the relationship. And actually Ephesians talks about it is that Holy Spirit was given as an engagement ring. I believe that's how the Passion Translation says it, and I like it. I like the language because we are the bride of Christ, right? We are being prepared because he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. Do you see why we need holiness? We can't do this on our own. He's coming back for a pure and spotless bride, but he gave Holy Spirit to us as an engagement ring. To do what? To bring about transformation, right? So in, in, in Jewish culture, what would happen when there was a marriage that was going to take place? The, the intent was announced. And then there was a dowry given. There was an engagement, the ring. And then dowries were given. Dowries came in form of money and gifts. And this is what God was showing me. And remember, this was in context to a, a Zoom room full of prophets. Prophets are part of the fivefold or the ascension gifts. There are two different kinds of gifts that are talked about. In Ephesians, it's talked about as the ascension gifts, the office gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. First Corinthians talks about the gifts of the spirit that are given without repentance, right? I actually was having a conversation with somebody about that. I was like, why'd you do that? <laughs> you know, because the gifts work no matter what. I can, I can work out my gift no matter what state I'm in. I can. That's why we need to know the difference between gift and anointing. Anointing is bought through my relationship with him. When he says, come buy milk without money, substance. Come and get your substance. How do we do that? By storming the throne room, by being with the lamb, by gazing upon him every hour of every day, he's on my mind. Moving with the lamb. That's how we get anointing. But gifts, remember, they operate without repentance. They work no matter what. And some people are very, very gifted. Another pitfall of the American church. However, the ascension gifts or the gifts of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, they're part of the dowry. Jesus paid it all. Yes, 
He paid the price. He gave the money, right? The dowry is money, gifts. He ascends into heaven, pours out the engagement ring, and then Jesus gives gifts to the church as part of the dowry. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, the pastor. To help bring the bride into a pure and spotless state. The gifts are to be a mirror. So when I am before Jeff, he can be like, Jesus. Jesus is pure and spotless. I'm pure and spotless. So I can come before Zane and he's like, I see myself in the gift. So when you're called, you've been given as a gift to the church, you're representing the entirety of a kingdom. You're representing the entirety of the expanse of his government. You are a gift. That's what covenant looks like for anybody that falls into one of those five categories. That is a gift given to the church to build her up. Isn't that stunning? That is absolutely stunning to me. That he is, gosh, he's creative. He's just so creative. I mean, I, I am, I'm just so, like, just so taken. So taken with all the little details that he has considered, thought of, and brought about. He's so good. And it was certainly never meant. I, he, he didn't give gifts to the church so that they could stand and be cool. Look at me. In fact, Paul, as an apostle, calls himself the least of these. He's like, honestly, he says in some translations, I think it's the message translation, he says, I'm as dung. Poo-poo. Poo-poo among men. Trampled. These dowry gifts offered to the church to the bride are lying low to be stepped upon. And we dare not look at those that have got us to this point. Okay, so out where I, I live, out at, at John Robbins' parents' house, there is a paved road that will take you about a mile. And then, huh, exactly a mile. And then there's this really gorgeous white house off to the right. It's beautiful, especially with the sun shining on it. Anyway, there's a sign just past the house, yellow, what do you call those? Diamond sign that says pavement ends. And every time I have walked out there and I get to that point and I see the sign, I hear Jesus saying, and he has like a giddiness in his voice because from here on, it's gravel. It's gravel road. But I've learned something in this where we could easily dismiss everything that's gone on to this point and be like, gosh, we really missed it. As a church, we've really missed it. But we would be errant to do so because there were dowry gifts given to the bride to get us to this point. There were gifts that were people that laid themselves low so I had pavement to walk on. And now it's our job. And now it's our job. Because this generation of the dowry needs to learn to lay low.
to give their life up completely for the kingdom so that others can get to that point where pavement ends. Where they then become the pioneers. It, it, listen, we, we glamorize so much crap in the church. I'm a pioneer! I, you know what that translates to? My life sucks! Seriously. The burden on a pioneer is great. It's great. Do you know why Paul said my life is like poo-poo? Because all the blame fell on him. Everything that went wrong was his fault. Because the bride just doesn't quite know who she is. And so she needs to pin blame somewhere instead of taking responsibility. Listen, we are all at that diamond yellow sign. We are all, I don't care how old you are, we in this room online, we are all standing there right now. We all have a role to play. Perhaps you're not a gift that Jesus has given to the church, but you have gifts to function in. Step into your role and live it well because it matters. It matters. You have to, even if you're, even if you're one of the little pieces of gravel or the cute little wildflowers growing along the side to encourage us, do it well. Do it well. Oh, it said, it's lunchtime. <laughs> I'm hungry and thirsting for righteousness. <laughs> More than anything, I hope you feel stirred right now. That you feel stirred and that you're starting to, to ache for the things of God, that you want to be a part of the assembly that gathers together and has that expectation of we have all experienced that together. Where it's not this individualized thing where the it person gets it and then maybe if you're lucky, there's some morsels. Ick. It was never, it was never displayed that way. It was always they hung out together. They broke bread together. They prayed together. They went house to house. This was their life. They all hungry for righteousness. <laughs> we just we need to focus on on the Lamb. It's got to be all about Him. It's got to be all about Him. Don't get distracted by everything else. In this season, it's got to be all about him. Let the Father's heavy hand rest on you. It's going to be okay. We are all in the same space right now. All of us folded in together with the heavy hand of the Father, demanding that we look like the Son. And that's fine because it's why we live. It's why we breathe. It's why we move. It's why we have our being. Is to look like the sun. And if it takes his heavy hand in this season, so be it. You are dead anyway. Isn't that what salvation is? I gave up my life to live as Christ. It is no longer I who live, but 
that's the whole point. We turn Christianity into a club with dues and entertainment, if we're honest. We got to leave that place. Let's leave that place. Honor those that have gone before us, right? Honor the pavement that's been laid. We've got to. We've got to. If we miss this, I'm not kidding. This is so important. If we miss this one thing, we will get a little ways down the road and we will have gaps that we have to figure out how to cover because we did not honor well what went before us. We have gravel because they paved. Honor what has gone before. Are they, are they possibly stuck in old wineskins now? Maybe, but honor. Honor the work that they did. And I promise you, those that have gone before us, those who laid their lives down as pavement, they will be inspired when the bride is standing in her rightful place before the Lamb of God. Can you stand up? Let's pray. Jesus, right now we just come before you and we cry out because we are hungry and we are thirsty. We are hungry and we are thirsty and I have nothing else to pray but that, God. We are hungry and we are thirsty. Just tell him, I am hungry and I am thirsty. God, I'm here for the deposits of holiness. I've come before you because I know that you have deposits of holiness to make inside of me so that I can put your righteousness on display. Draw our eyes upward. Teach us to lock in with you. Make us brave. Make us courageous that we don't try to wiggle out from underneath your heavy hand, Father. Right now, I just want to confess that we are only leaving behind a shack. These old wineskins that are comfortable and familiar, it's time for them to go. It's time for this shack to fall. Because we are building your house, God. Those old wineskins, they turned into something they were never intended to be. Our eyes are fixed on you, and we're coming up. We're coming up to get the supplies, God, to build your house. To lift you high, Jesus. To give the nations something to look at. Say, I am the righteousness that the world is longing for. Jesus, I, it's just, it's an honor to be called. It's an honor to be called. to be known by you. And I thank you for your rod and your staff. And I confess they are a comfort to me. Hedge us in. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Really quick, not this Wednesday, but the Wednesday following is our worship night. We'll all meet here at 6.30 for our worship night. This Wednesday 
is Bible study in the basement at our house. Bible study in the basement at our house. Actually, we're doing dinner. Thank you for that look. <laughs> we're doing dinner. At 5.30, we will do dinner. What? <laughs> oh, well, it was kind of like this thing was coming at me. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're doing dinner because they went house to house and they broke bread together and they exalted the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're just going to follow that model. We're just going to follow that model. We're going to pull. We've got drumsticks in the freezer. We're going to pull them out and um, bring a side. Is that fair? 5.30, we will eat. And then we will, um, we're going to start at the beginning of Hebrews. I'm really excited. So we'll start in Hebrews 1. And we're just going to work our way through the entire book together. And we did he the whole chapter 12 this last Wednesday. And it was so good. It was so good. You know, it forced us to have to go back and discuss things like Esau and, <laughs> and, and really bring that to the forefront. And, and, oh, it was just so good. So, um, 530 at the house, bring a side and please don't get elaborate. We're just, we're just going to bless it and watch it multiply. Okay. Love you. Love you. Love you.